You're listening to The Ragged Edge. I'm Richard Stone. In learning from history, Mm -hmm. I feel like um, that we need to remember that in the beginnings of this country, in the founding of this country, that these men who were from the South and the mm-hmm. North and All the over. difference between between Connecticut and Georgia was pretty wide. Mm-hmm. But they all came together and decided that the compromise to make this country was more important than standing on, you know, Regional I'm not moving from this, <laughs> right. you know. And so, so that's, in, in a way, I think something we've lost yep. is that we have lost the idea that compromise is what what it has always been about. A few weeks ago, I had my cousin on the show and to talk about Warren Roberts, the most important Texan you probably never heard of. As is the case, especially where conversations with John are concerned, we talked about a lot of stuff that didn't make it into the interview. Well, I saved that part of the interview for a special edition I'm calling Remnants. We talked about the Civil War, politics today, and... Well, little-known facts about the Louisiana Purchase. We'll get to that interview, Remnant, in a minute. But first, some program notes. Well, we're nearing the end of the second season and one full year of the Ragged Edge podcast. As I record this episode, I note that we've had more than 1,800 downloads in the last, I don't know, since September of last year, nearly 1,000 of those just in the last three months. Thanks for that. We've had a lot of fun and learned a great deal this last year as we've talked to public officials, barbecue pitmasters, smart reporters and political commentators, and people steeped in popular culture. We've also learned a lot about podcasting, but, you know, the less said about that, the better. Anyway, thanks for your patience and for coming along for the ride. We've got a great lineup set for the final month of the season. After a break for the Memorial Day holiday, we'll go back on the road with a live event at the Texas Beer Company in Taylor. This time, our guest will be Representative James Tallarico. We'll dissect this session of the Texas legislature, the successes, the failures, the near misses, and the overall general crappiness that permeated the 87th meeting of our state's elected representatives. That event is set for June 10th at 7 p.m., again, at the Texas Beer Company. You can go to the Ragged Edge Facebook page for more details. Then later this month, we'll talk to Jason Stanford. Stanford is the author of the Stanford Experiment Newsletter, a rollicking hodgepodge of current events, history, opinion, and terrific writing, and it's well worth subscribing to. The book he co-wrote, Forget the Alamo, will publish in early June. I just got my advanced copy, so I haven't read it yet, but it seems that Phil Collins is part of the mix. Yeah. Phil Collins, you know, of Genesis? (laughs) Who knew? The reviews say that the book rips the facade off the myths about the Alamo that we grew up with. So we'll talk about that and whatever else pops up. Finally, we hope to visit with the folks from Canines for Warriors, an organization that matches service dogs to military veterans to help those vets cope. That's coming up near the end of the month. Looking ahead, we'll go on hiatus later this summer. Uh, the timing on that is wholly dependent on how far the pandemic ebbs comes August, so those plans are still a bit up in the air. But we expect episode repeats for about a month later this summer. Now, the remnant of the interview. Well, you know, I, I find a lot of what's being covered today 
to be, you know, very close to what went on then, you know, the way mm-hmm. people feel about the government and how they view the relationship between the states and the federal government. I mean, you know, there, right. there is a move in Texas. Let's secede, <laughs> you know, right. like that will whatever work. Right. And how well did that work out the first time? Is right. It? You know, you know, um, in Lincoln's thinking, he was very concerned about not starting a war. Mm-hmm. And so what started the war was that um, there were these states who were going around taking federal facilities. Like Texas did before the war even really started. Right. And, yeah. and, and Lincoln was like, no, that's not state property. That's federal right. property. And, and right. in your insurrection, <laughs> you know, you don't get to take that stuff. Um <laughs> I, I wonder if he said in your little insurrection. Um, in your, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't little. Um, it was Fort Sumter. You know, the the Confederates wanted it to be surrendered, like all the other stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, mm-hmm. and what um, Lincoln did was he didn't resupply the fort, which would have caused hostilities mm-hmm. militarily. But he sent a ship with food supplies because they were trying to starve them out. Right. Right. And, and so he was just sending a ship with food supplies. And that's when the, the Confederates decided to bombard the fort. Right. And so Lincoln for Lincoln. And it was important that he, he not fire the first shot. <laughs> you know, we always talk about monuments and how they teach history. Well, I would just like us to teach history. Right. Right. You know, and right. and not teach myth, which is kind of what we do. I don't know whether it's like, well, the only thing kids will be interested in are battles and, you know. Tales of Daring Do of Davy Crockett and yes and, and Travis and, and and the Texas Rangers and the Texas and, Rangers you know. and and uh, the the Soul Rosses Indian Fighters and that sort of thing right and then maybe oil and then <laughs> you know? oh yeah roll that's true so that's what we teach in Texas history uh, we go from Davy Davy Crockett to Sam Houston to oil. <laughs> right. And not much right. happened after about 18, 1850-ish until <laughs> until Spindletop in well, you know, early 19... 19- well, I'm not sure that they would actually excise the advent of the Civil War, but... Um, well, yeah, yeah. You know. That is absolutely talked of in terms of battles, uh, but not of the politics, um, which I think it was Michener's Texas that made me go, whoa, wait a minute. What they taught me in seventh grade was a bunch of myths. And even, <laughs> and even, Mich- and even Michener's Texas glossed over a lot of stuff. It's not just seventh grade Texas history. It's, it's, there's a lot. And, and sometimes when I talk to people, uh, some get the idea that uh, I, I'm looking for negative things. Mm-hmm. And, and really, I'm just looking for the truth. You know, sure. what happened? Sure. You know, um, because nuance as you're living it is everything mm-hmm. but as time passes people forget the nuance and right. who argued against who and you know um, I mean we we do venerate we do Sam venerate Hugh- Sam Houston but you look at how it all ended up we didn't right not at the time no certainly not at the time I'm looking up here at an hour and 15 minutes and thinking <laughs> we're gonna have to leave it here <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we history should not just be about the winning 
point of view. Right. I mean, you have to understand in history, sometimes the people who win shouldn't have. Right. And so it's okay to to look into the, the ugly underneath. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, see what it was. And that's part of learning. I mean, really, truly, and honestly learning from history is looking at that underneath, as you called it. Because without that, you're not really learning anything. You're not allowing yourselves to draw lessons from what we've already gone through. We've already done this thing. What do they say? You know, um, uh, historians, uh, I'm, I'm not going to get it right. People who know history are doomed to, re- doomed to watch others repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, Um, exactly. Because I think you're right. I think we're repeating a lot of the same kinds of things that we went through in the 1850s. A lot of the stuff that's happening today in in our government and in our relationships um, with our government is the same kinds of things that we went through uh, that led up to the Civil War. A lot of the same things. Right. A lot of the same things. Well, you know, in learning from history, Mm -hmm. I feel like um, that we need to remember that in the beginnings of this country, in the founding of this country, that these men who were from the South and the Mm -hmm. North and the difference between between Connecticut and Georgia— it was pretty wide, mm-hmm. but they all came together and decided that the compromise to make this country was more important than standing on, you know, regional differences. I'm not moving from this, <clears throat> right? You know, and so, so that's in, in a way, I think, something we've lost yep. is that we have lost the idea that compromise is what what it has always been about. Eventually, mm-hmm. both sides have to go. Okay, I, I'm not going to get everything I want, but we Neither can agree on these points. Right. Yeah. You're not going to, and, and, and hopefully somewhere we, we get here. Right. But what's occurred now is that the sides take a position and will not budge because of the feeling that if you give anything at all, it begins a slippery slope where you lose everything. Right. Our democracy has worked because people have compromised. Right. There was a, a state representative here when, when we first got to Taylor. And when I interviewed him for one of my programs, um, he said something. And and he and I disagreed on, on a lot of policy issues. He's a Republican, but he's more of a business Republican than a Dan Patrick Republican. And one of the things he said that really struck me, he said, you know, I've got to sit down with you and we've got 10 issues that we have to resolve. Right. Four of those issues we pretty much agree on. Three of those issues... Uh, we might or we might not, but they're worth a conversation. And then the other three of those issues we'll never compromise on. Why do we begin with the three that we'll never compromise on? Let's talk about the four that we can't, that we know we can reach an agreement on. I think it's because people use those things that you could agree on as the... Flippery slope. You know. Yeah. Or, or I'm going to hold these in reserve. I'm not going to give you these. Mm-hmm. I know you want them. Mm-hmm. And, and I will release And we them. can actually agree on that. Right. Yeah, I don't understand why you don't begin with, and, and even President Obama said it at the beginning of his term, there are things we can agree on. Let's go agree on those things and get those things done. Uh, right. But then you have an opposing party that's so intransient that they can't or won't or absolutely refuse anything. And the left has similar attitudes about certain things as well. It's not This is not confined to one party. We're seeing it mostly in one party right now. But Yeah, but, but, but I think that's... Um, if you ever read Bruce Catton's uh, History of the Civil War. I have not read it's, that one. It's 
amazing because really what you get is a sense of you know when I said your your little insurrection mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what everybody thought it was going to be mm-hmm. a little insurrection they had no idea what it would it, it would end up in Cold Harbor and and Petersburg and I mean the the, the horror of all those things because every year there was perhaps another atrocity or another thing that shocked people and then here comes the second year now we're a little bit more mad and oh my gosh they've done this and we've heard about this and so he really illustrates how the war changed in a series of I'll call them slice you know <laughs> and and I think that's what's happened between the two political parties you know one party does something that outrages the other party and the other party says okay well we're going to do you know yeah. and, and so we've just kind of gone to a point where now we can't I mean what we know we knew that the impeachment trial was never going anywhere mm-hmm. we knew it weeks before mm-hmm. because we knew that that party was going to stand in lockstep right right so, we can't use any of this no uh, uh, yeah probably not a whole lot since I said we got to leave it there uh, <laughs> but I- Let's do it again. Pitch me a story and let's let's figure it out. Whether it needs to be, um, I don't know, uh, Louisiana Purchase. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is kind of a, a funny story. Of course, there that. is. <laughs> you know, when when uh, the Louisiana Purchase was made, uh, a minister pointed out to Napoleon that the the definition of the borders were kind of inexact Mm -hmm. and um, he basically said um, Napoleon Napoleon said well if this uh, inexactness hadn't occurred it would have been good policy to invent one (laughs) (laughs) yeah there you go there we go alright we'll see you next time Okay, I'll let me know when you finish this. <laughs> supposed to go live at 6 tomorrow night, so I've kind of got a deadline there. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a deadline. That is a deadline. Uh, so. Send me your file, when, uh, uh, and uh, we'll take it from there. I will do that. All right. I love you, cousin. Love you too, Richard. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, another episode is in the books. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the Ragged Edge Facebook page. There you can learn about live events and get links to my occasional column, which is also called the Ragged Edge. See you next time. A reminder, you can help people find the Ragged Edge when you rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you found it. And please share it with your friends so we can build our audience. The Ragged Edge is a production of RTS Connect, helping public-facing organizations make their point, then stay on point. Info at rtsconnect.org. Original theme music composed and performed by Ryan Stone. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for listening to The Ragged Edge. See you next week. Thank you.